When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met, fellow adventurers. So last time we were, used pro- we were doing Proving Grounds 5. We finally used the Eye of Agamar, Agamar on Trollock, and apparently he's, he's, his mind control has been shooken off him, and now he's good, I hope. But I have some worries because it was a lot of mind control, and I mean a lot. It took two whole blasts with the eye to get rid of it. And these were full blasts. And now he's asking for the eye. You know, the the only the most power, the only item that gives us a hint of a chance. So I mean he could have some sort of scheme. Maybe he can charge it up again. Or he could be destroyed. Or this could all be a trick. And he's going to destroy it. Well, there's only one thing to do. Let's just see what happens as we play the village of Shadow. A recap of how the previous scenario ended. We've done enough to arouse the beast's curiosity, says Windle, looking sideways at the trailer. You realise, with growing horror, that the thin shadow that just retreated into the portals of Araxa himself. His best laid plans... Best laid plans are still afoot, although he's been dealt a serious blow with the loss of his most potent minion. Sherlock returns Widow's glance with a glare. But the expression quickly softened into a wise smile. Most potent? High praise indeed, he says. Good, why have you not seen me as one of his subjects? You do not see me as a friend, Lord Near. That I would not ask. For the sake of the woe that lies before us, let all of that keep. For now. There is no time for any of this, says Elaine, glancing over at you and then back at Toilock and Wyndham. Hundred more oats and on stalkers come our way next if we linger. Without question, agrees Wendell. Next move in this game must be ours. We must make with haste. And let it begin with this, says Trellock. Turns you with his upturned hand outstretched. Give me the eye. Now the adventure continues. What does he want with it? What does he want with it? Unnerved by Sherlock's sudden and bold request, you quickly withdraw the eye and assume a defensive stance. Jules back his hand and you gasp in horror as the shadow casts by his arm. 
with the extent and takes hold of the large emerald, wrenching it from your grab. The shadow begins to rapidly withdraw, now with the eye of Agnemar nested in the midst of his gloom. Look, look, maybe it's a good thing you're doing. Maybe. Maybe, I mean, there's a chance. But you should have asked first. I'm using my own shadow magic. You call 64 XP to shadow magic, conceded. You call upon your mastery of shadow magic, and a pair of shadowy arms extend from the cellar wall on your right and sliver forwards, taking hold of the eye as it is drawn towards Trolltop. Trolltop glares as he intensifies his efforts. The command of the shadows proves a match for his own formidable powers. I think the shadows just like me better. The eye reverses course, such as deposited onto your outstretched hand by the shadows you summoned. The eye of Agnemar suddenly shatters into four fragments of equal size. The floor falls in a cellar floor. Each of the emerald shards continues to glow faintly. Kirk stops and picks up the pieces of the eye and hands one to each of you. It's, it's now the eye of Agnemar. Fragment. Aha! This is a small fragment of the fabled Eye of Agnemar. It is a powerful artifact with ability to dispel even the most potent of mind-altering magic. There, now we are all armed, he says, casting a sideways glance at Undul. They are obviously less powerful than the whole Eye, but it is now quite unlikely the whole Eye should fall into undesirable hands. Okay, I get it, I get it. Guess it's better to have a bit of the agon of the eye if something goes wrong than to risk losing it all because of one horde of stalkers or you throw some shadow dragons at us or about 50 of those ogres or who knows what. You know what minions he had. Despite the initial horror invoked by Trellock's brass action, he immediately realised the benefit of breaking the eye into shards. It will now be difficult for the enemy to take hold of the artifact, and each of you will have the ability to wield its power, even though its potency has been reduced. The eye will likely prove useful against the dragon's minions, this window. The serpent itself is not measured by it. Nevertheless, it is wise to divide it. Trelloc smiles and stows away his shard of the eye. Trelloc replies to Wundle's comment of the suggestion of this one type cause. It's a bold suggestion that the League of Five was directly responsible for turning Wexer to something far more sinister than any mere dragon could ever aspire to be. It's not by design, mind you, said Trelloc, meeting Gwendolyn's hard gaze with a cold stare. We're all driven by what we felt was the proper course, but we serve to introduce desperation into his brewing malevolence. It's a desperation that sort caused him to seek out other paths, seek out other allies, from places far removed from the lonely cave where he watched his only kin gasp their dying breath at the feet of their human slayers. You provide excuses for the beast, growls Helene, her glare frozen on top of him. His assessment is valid, says Wendell, those words seem to startle him. About to speak again when Helene speak again when Trax suddenly continues. You do not do the dragon of the suit. I do, says Trelawney. Your Honor, I'd never dare say you would ever wish to. He is no longer a creature only of this world. Of that I am certain. There's a power and ambition in him beyond that which any being in this world could ever aspire to. 
His wickedness transcends the lust for revenge he's harbored. These long centuries, the demon fries within him. There can be no doubt. Oh dear. A lengthy silence follows Trotok's words as the weight of what he said settles uneasily upon all present. We have not before considered the possibility that Trotok is brought to light, but the very idea it might prove true is terrifying. Rundle sighs as if his own long-standing fears have at last been confirmed. Lane mutters something. Trollock says that it may be possible to use the iron and wax himself. Lesson will remove the hope that some great entity may have of it. Very least, perhaps, make, making him a somewhat less fearsome foe. It does nothing to change our goal for Swindle. Whether or not a greater power has hand in this affair must not sway our course. We may attempt to use the iron against Maxa, but we certainly cannot lay our hopes on it. Because the later east, even even with, even if without the demon, he's still a dick. <laughs> Turok and Lane both mod. It's likely that a showdown with the Max himself is not only but perhaps the only possible outcome to a series of events that were set into motion six centuries ago. Mundo is quick to say that he fears such a confrontation, not for the more immediate reasons. The four of us standing here are the best and perhaps only hope the world has of being rid of this terror, he says gravely. Should a conversation with the sh dragon turn tra tra tragic, what hope is there for those who remain following our passing? It's confrontation we must seek out on our own terms. We must avail ourselves of every advantage we can. We cannot pay into his wicked games. Still so haughty, marks Trelock, avoiding Windows burning gans. There will always be others, my friend. You cannot possibly think we are the last bastion of hope across the entire breadth of humanity, can you? The best chance lies here, and now with us, that is true. But to say it is the only chance is the very thinking that begets rash judgments and irrevocable folly. Perhaps you grow tired of the game, Lundre, but please recall, if only dust we discovered it. Wundle does his best to ignore Trelock's comments, says that now the fight must be taken to Maraxa, even though it is a course that Dragon must surely expects. Lane waves his hand and a bright light fills the cellar, chasing much of the gloom that finds across his Trelock logs, finally proving of our tactic, and then speaks, Ah, no gloom, no shadows. You and I will be, on, be his first mark, says Trelock, his eye fixed on Wundle. That reason must divide ourselves. The reason I shattered the eye. There were two important tasks at hand. Calling upon the beast to see that, that he still resides in his abode shall be mine. You ask, you ask Trelock what the only important task is. It is Wundle answers. Helene and I will pay a visit to Talonus and slip into the citadel. Difficult to tell. The feel we may have already forced Marcus's hand. We do not need a crown of shadow perched on the head of our beloved king before this business reached its end. Which is his end, oh dear. Zook must go with me to Prith Star, says Trelux. That is the beast's haunt, the place where we will likely have to confront him. We dare not move against him without the two of you. We will discover ourselves what may await us there. Trelux explains, mostly for your benefit, that Prith Star is a village in the midst of the forests known as Brotherwood in the northwest corner of the kingdom. It is there you learn the 
Moraxa has long occupied an ancient temple on the edge of a bog known as Torbor Crag. The village is remote enough not to attract attention, explains Trail. Its citizenry is cleverly disguised to appear as they did when they were still among the living six hundred years ago. Rax's insidious powers long ago took hold of this place. Hermans hands for now, and perhaps forever, his faithful servants. Uh, one of his more power and one of his more powerful ties to the realm of man. The old haunt is still alive is alive again, Winswindle. Fool is all that I've been to this point. How could have I ignored it? It's the perfect setting for a silent evasion. One that is likely already afoot. Perhaps it has been for years. Our delay may already have been too late. Trout shakes his hand. Was it you, Lewindor, or Master Nerith, who used to be fond of saying, It is never too late! He asked, regardless of who it was. The truth, there's truth in this statement. We dare not tarry, but we dare not tarry. We shall leave at once. Lewindor steps forward and initiates a shoulder cross with you. The moment he withdraws his hand, Helene moves over and follows suit. And I wish you luck as well, says Windle, turning to Trelock. The latter nods, but makes no audible attempt to return the sediment. Take care, Zoop, says Helene. I'm certain we'll be seeing each other quite soon. When our task is complete, we will come to Pristar, says Windle. I remind you, both of you, all of you, that whatever occurs... Iwistar and Puthan can no longer be seen as allies. They are tools of the dragon, and will be used against us in whatever cool fashion best, befit, best fits his ends. They are also deadly foes, which I respect and give no quarter. I advise the rest of you to do the same. But first, I'm going to try this eye fragment. You know, going to, going to try. A crackle of energy fills the, fills the cellar as two portals open simultaneously. Window and Halam set towards the swirling vortex on the right, while you and Twelog move to the one on the left. Without further words, with very little idea what lies in store for you beyond the cellar of the candle below in, you follow Twelog into the portal. Everything goes black. Your head swims as you tumble through the impenetrable darkness within the portal. You cannot see Twelog, but just when your nerves have begun to assail your reason, you're suddenly standing on solid ground, tall grass of a wide field, the edge of a pine forest beneath a dull grey afternoon sky. With a faint crackle, the, por- the portal behind you closes. Oh, at last, the sun! Brotherhood, says Trelock, standing to your side, his hand motioning to the forest in front of you. Through there lies Privstan. There was road through it just over there, we'll take, but first, there were some necessary preparations. Trelock closes his eyes and waves both his hands in small, circular motions. A pair of shadows sliver off a nearby tree and swarm about you two. Only a few seconds, you've been quickly enveloped in the, in the reviving gloom. The transformation that takes place is remarkable. While your faces remain physically unchanged, the shadows that now inconspicuously line them do much to make them unrecognisable. Your attire is also changed. The gloom that now cloaks you will serve to disguise your garb in the likeness of a commoner's attire. Even the dragon's gaze won't pierce these shadows, says Trevor confidently. 
Now you look like any any other min of these minions would have in the village. Trick would be not to announce our true identities into some other unseen way. Too much caution on our part will prove our undoing. You ask Trelock how long disguise will remain in place, fearful of what might be their sudden, perhaps untimely departure. Long enough, he answers, to start along the overgrown road leading towards Brifstan. You will soon, soon reveal ourselves, be on our own terms, the time of our choosing. A few scattered, ramshackle wooded buildings and overgrown fields side of the road signal your wife on the outskirts of Prehavstan. You continue cautiously along the road, hopeful that your newly gone donned disguise will keep you safe from unwanted attention. Disguises are put to their first test as you turn a sharp corner in the road. Two men, cat clad in leather armour, apparently members of the village of militia, are standing guard in the middle of the lane. Upon seeing you they step forward, smiling. The guards show you with critical, almost piercing stares. Your heart skips a beat as suddenly the flesh on both their faces melts away, revealing decayed, worm-ridden skin stretched closely across sunken, emancipated continences. Quickly as the horrific sight appears, it vanishes, with you once again facing the smiling men. I haven't seen you up this way before, says one of the men, eyeing you cautiously. What you got to say for your business up in these parts? Icy fingers probe the edge of your psyche, and you immediately realise the two men are attempting to weed your thoughts. Chalak stands quietly aside, apparently not wishing to intervene, and further arouse their already heightened suspicions. So, picking a number, bonus of 69. 17 from diplomacy, 10 from luck, 10 from mind, 20 from spirit, and 10 from aura. Picking a number now. 163. For 32 XP to general. Your bravado works. The guards step aside and allow the two of you to continue along the road towards the village. Can't be too careful in these parts, Mars one of them as they move past. No hard feelings, I hope, and welcome to Priftstar. Behind the guise of those friendly faces lies a sinister product. Six centuries of the dragon's cruel dominion, says Trellock, as the two of you move along the road towards the heart of the village. None who dwell here are truly human, Eyangasuk. They are all shadow minions, faithful servants of Muratsa, even if unwillingly so. We are in great danger if our identities are discovered. It is doubtful I need to have informed you of that. There's a link for shadow minions, shadow minions. Once human, these creatures are now shadowy waves in human guise that serve the great shadow dragon Maraxa. They are firmly under Maraxa's control and beyond recall. Oh no. I wonder were those massed assailants uh, that I was fighting a lot of at the start of this? On the road to Talonus, mainly. Were they? Shadow minions? Yeah, probably. Probably. Okay, so this is where he got all his masked assailants from, probably. Okay. The village of Prustan is a sight that evokes both pity and a lingering sense of dread. 
The buildings and dwellings that make up the half of the settlement long ago fell into ruin and disrepair, but the citizenry moving on about the broad thoroughfare, runs through the centre of town, appeared to take little notice. They are as dead as the village has been, and have been, these long cent and has been these long centuries, says Trark, as the two of you move along the edge of the road towards the low stone building. This place and these people are only shadows of what once was. I'm afraid that is the true power of the magic we wield is on display here. It is ruinous soup. Utterly ruinous. As you draw near to the crumbling stone building, you can see the thin trails of smoke. Smoke rising through a largely collapsed roof. The festive sound of a magdalene soars out of the open doorway, doing its best to temper the gloom that hangs heavily over all that you've surveyed. We'll stop in here, says Trelock, knowing the direction of what is obviously a tavern. I'll go in first. You follow behind, but not at my back. You enter the tavern with Trelock, careful not to allow a careful to allow a small group of villagers to step between you as you pass over the threshold, hoping that a slight separation will help to buy you a nominee amongst the patrons. The tavern's main room is crowded and noisy. On your right, before the roaring fire, sits a stout, bearded man strumming a mandolin. A dozen patrons seated around the hearth join him in a jolly roar ballad that is unknown to you. You take taken less than a dozen steps across the room. Your eyes are drawn to a slender, gaunt-faced, hooded man sitting alone at a table in the corner. The man's eyes are fixed on you, and after only a few moments, he rises and begins moving in your direction. Fronger patients pass in front of you, temporarily obscuring your view of the man. And when they, and when they pass by, shocked to discover he's no longer anywhere to be seen. Suddenly... Someone nudges your elbow and you turn to find Trelock, standing at your side, handing you a flagon of frothing ale. Few better ways to fit in, he remarks, as he slips from his as he sits from his own wagon. I've seen what I've came in came in to see, for good or ill. When we've had our drink, we'll go. When, when you finish your ale, Trelock motions towards the door, and the two of you slowly make your way out of the tavern. Once outside, you move along the thoroughfare to the west, and Trelock speaks in earnest but hushed tone. I don't suppose you've ever ever known a dragon to play the mandolin, he says, glancing glance at you to gorge your reaction. To me, the words sink in, sink in filled with the horror of realisation. The bearded mandolin player was none other than the waxer himself. I wish to see if the beast was still home. The minstrel... The drunkard, the lone rider, the woodsman, the friendly face on the street. These are some of his favourite guises. He actually envies humanity, you know. Perhaps one of his greatest reasons he hates us so. Well, I mean, humanity still has other members of their species alive. You know, can fall in love and have children and friends. Maraxa, he's, he's, all, he's all alone. There are no other shadow dragons. Yes, all he has are minions. He has no friends or lovers. 
But he might not have had them in the first place. So, A deep sense of dread wells up within you as a low, grasping voice echoes in your head. The wide-eyed look on Trout's face immediately confirms he's also hearing it. A wayward son and a fresh fool, hisses the voice, which you realise is the voice of Maraxa himself. You had traded glory and eternity for what and misery. I have no further use for you, either of you. The voice fades, but this absence does little to improve your situation. The sense of dread remains, and you turn around, your eyes taking the seam thoroughfare behind you. The source of your fear is made plain. A mob of at least a hundred villagers is gathered in the middle of the thoroughfare. The cold gaze of every last man and woman is fixed on you and Trelok. Each of the villagers is holding some sort of weapon. Foremost of the large group is the bearded man, who Trelok identified as Maraxa. His Magellan now slung over his shoulder, and his face adorned with a disarming and jovial grin. Bring me only their heads, he says, a smile in direct contrast to the stark wickedness of his words. They are worth no more than that. The bearded man bows and steps back into the crowd as the mob begins to advance along the thoroughfare, shouting wildly and waving their weapons in the air. Trelon glances at you, curses under his breath and draws his sword. What happens next takes you utterly by surprise. A broad pool of shadow swiftly forms at Trollop's feet and rapidly envelops him. He cries out in surprise as he is rapidly consumed by the dense gloom. Within just a few moments the shadows retreated, leaving no trace of Trolltop behind. In the wake of the strange attack on Trolltop, he feels somehow drained. Current Neville Reserve has been reduced to five. With no time to dwell on Trotok's fate, your mind races as your eyes fall once again upon the mob of villagers now advancing to advancing upon you through the furrow there. You turn and retreat along the road to the west. The villagers keep trace, and you soon find yourself at a spot where a wide stone bridge spans a rushing stream. Much to your dismay, a second mob of villagers is advancing on you from the opposite side of the bridge. Realising that flight is impossible, you stalwartly hold your ground, but with a quick prayer and your breath as the first few members of the vicious mob closes in. I guess... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess that the bridge kind of restricts how many people can fight. Fight me at once. Uh, m maybe Maraxas only has so much fine-tuned mind control where you can know, actually have people fight competently. <laughs> maybe that's it. A pair of axe-wielding villagers quickly draw up before you, their sharpened blades cutting the air in a wide arc before them. You dodge their initial strikes and quickly mount a counter-attack. Now again, they're only fleeing for a fleeting moment. The faces of your enemies seem to melt away, giving you a glimpse of the rotting horrors that lurk just beneath the surface of the thin human shells. 
I find two axe-wielding villages, they are shadow minions. The two villagers swipe out at you with their axes and are slain. 9 XP. You step back from the corpses with slain shadow minions and immediately assume a combat ready stance. With scarcely a moment to catch your breath, you once again find yourself confronted by more of the fiendish village mob. The village blacksmith, a hulking, broad-shouldered man, those large hands tightly grip the haft of a weighty hammer, pushes his way past several villagers and strides directly up to you. Eager to put down the invader, his master is sentenced to death. Now and again, though only for a fleeting moment, the face of your enemy seems to melt away, leaving you, giving you a glimpse of the watching horror that lurks just beneath the surface of a thin human shell. I fight a hulking blacksmith. The shadow minion swiftly and viciously attacks you and is slain. 9 XP. You step back from the corpse of the slain shadow minion, immediately assume a combat ready stance. With scarcely a moment to catch your breath, you once again find yourself confronted by more of the fiendish village mob. A young man wielding a sword rushes up from behind and nearly takes your head off with a deadly sweep of his weapon. You nimbly and luckily dodge the, the blow and immediately counter with your own attack. Now and again, though only for a fleeting moment, the face of your enemy seems to melt away, giving you a glimpse of the watching horror lurks just beneath the surface of the thin human shell. It's a sword-wielding villager. Shadow Minion swiftly and viciously attacks you. Okay, 9 XP once more. Okay, that ends. They're all ending the same way. What's the next one? A trio of armed villagers. Charge along the thoroughfare and quickly engage you. You step back as you fend off a frenzied series of blows that crude away of weapons. Now and again, though only for a fleeting moment, the faces of your enemies seem to melt away, giving you a glimpse of the rotting horrors that lurk just beneath the surface of the three, the thin, th thin human shells. It's three armed villagers. The three villagers strike at you with a wide variety of crude weaponry. Your head feels as if it's about to explode as your mind is assailed by your enemy's potent psionic attack for 11 damage, but now it is slain. 9 XP. More of the village. Four members of the village militia advance on you across the stone bridge. Two of the men wield spears, and the other two brandish short swords. You plant your feet and prepare to meet their advance. Now and again, though only for a fleeting moment, the faces of your enemies seem to melt away, giving you a glimpse of the watting horrors that lurk just beneath the surface of the thin human shells. It's for village militia. Using air quotes. They're all shadow minions. The four members of the militia attack you with spears and swords. And they are slain. 9xb. You step back from the corpses of the slain shadow minions and immediately assume a combat ready stance. And more of them are coming. Three club wielding villagers scramble out under the bridge and swiftly mount the bank of the stream and attack. The assault catches you. 
somewhat off guard, but you managed to fend off fend off the first first few strikes before setting your feet to prompt and promptly engaging them. Alright, the second power craft keeps being the same. So it's three club wielding villagers. The trio of villagers attack you with heavy wooden clubs. Oh, I went finishing with battle rage. Rexa, let these people go! To the afterlife! Stay in your phone. 9xp. Alright. A pair of sword-wielding villagers charge ahead of a large group of what that's now advancing on you and attack. The two men don't appear to be very skilled with the weapons, but that fact doesn't lessen the ferocity of their assault. Well, second paragraph is the same again. Two sword-wielding villagers. Pale sword-wielding villagers swipe out at you with their blades. And they are slain. 9 XP for that. And more are coming. A group of six villagers, each wielding a stout wooden cudgel, advance squarely on you. As they draw to within melee range, they quickly circle you and attack, striking out at you on all sides with their thick oaken clubs. That's probably about as many as can actually attack me at once without them all bumping into each other. Six cudgel-wielding villagers. Who occasionally the disguise slips, and we see the glimpse, and we see a glimpse of the watting horrors that lurk just beneath the surface of the thin human shells. Six cudgel-wielding villagers. The large circle of cudgel-wielding villagers strike out at you. Okay, and they are slain. Twelve XP. Four villagers, each brandishing a woodman's axe, run up from behind and attack. You turn and engage them, dodging their initial swipes before mustering a speedy counterattack. Now and again, only for a fleeting moment, the faces of your enemies seem to melt away, giving you a glimpse of the watting horrors that lurk just beneath the surface of the thin human shells. It's four axe-wielding villagers. Am I going to have to kill all of these guys? Am I going to have to slay the entire village? That's probably be two, three hundred people. Oh my. How am I going to get out of this? Nine XP. Because even if I seek them all, there's still more axe. Alright, that nine XP. A lone swordsman who brandishes his long sword with at least some degree of skill. Strides up and engages you. The rest of the village mob falls back as they expect this to be the last of them you will face. It's a village swordsman. Alright. The shadow minion swiftly and viciously attacks you with a sword and is slain. 10 XP. You step back from the course of the slain shadow minion. And immediately assume a combat-ready stance. The surviving members of the village mob fall back from the bridge in a pound's attempt to regroup. Realising that the reprieve is only temporary, you rush across the stone's back towards the forest west of the village, not entirely certain about where you are headed, but mindful of the temple that Trelock made mention of, 
Suddenly an all too familiar sight greets you, halting your dash along the road. A pair of shadows sliver out of the out from the base of the trees that line the road, form a dark pool of gloom less than five yards in front of you. Two dark shapes rapidly rise up the puddle of shadow and take form. They are the shapes of Iskritar and Prithin. In a matter of moments, the two men have completely risen and are standing before you in the middle of the road, their cold glazes fixed squarely upon you. Your two former allies say nothing, but instead produce long iron rods, the tips of which are entwined with lightning, which sit our twills the round. What about an unnerving display of skill, and steps forward, a cruel gling slowly spreading across his face. You step back and draw yourself into a defensive posture, not eager to engage the fellow members, your fellow members of the Silver Quest, but not willing to become a victim of Barax's newest minions. Slowly, the crackle of energy fills the air and a swirling black vortex opens on your right. A sense of relief washes over you as Wooddor and Helene leap up from the portal and take up positions on either side of you. They both glance at you before fixing their hardened gaze on Prithin. On Iskridar and Prithin. It is all for naught, growls Prithin, stepping forward so that he's shoulder to shoulder with Iskridar. The master has Trillock in his clutches, and even now he is remembering his abbreviance. Wickedness stirs in the hall of, halls of the king, echoes the voice of wind in his mind. It's more than even the shards of the eye can contend with. We must reach the temple. Soon, it is now only a deafening roar, and a loud hiss fills the air as wide arcs of lightning leap from the tips of your iron, foe's iron watts. Windows spreads his fingers with the summer magic, and plain does the same. Um, I... I well, I don't think, I don't, I'm pretty sure this ends this scenario for 384 XP. Okay. Iskridor and Prithim aren't going to kill us, but we might end up killing them, and I don't want that either. I mean, we did quests together. Well, okay, not together. I mean, we, we've done things together. I mean, They've sat in their office. Well, I've done quests, but still, we're friends. Alright, let's see. Okay, next one. Next one is The Minions of Shadow. Alright, now. Alright, Iskritar and Prithin are here. But fortunately, Wundor and Helene are back also. And now we just got to put everything on this assault. Now, the adventure continues. Two bolts of lightning surge from the wad tips of both Prithman and Iskitar, but slam into an invisible barrier only inches in front of you. Realise at once that either Helene... Wudor and Elaine have summoned a magical shield, without a second to spare. Go! Both of you! Echoes Woodland Stone commanding your might. Get to the temple! I will hold them! Go! Elaine rushes west along the road, and you follow swiftly behind her, hoping that Wudor is not outmatched by your two former allies. 
both of them now firmly under the control of Moraxa. You glance back over your shoulder, and somewhat relieved to see both, he's for starting Prithen, enveloped in thick, shadowy webs. He struggles desperately against Prithen's powerful magic, but appear to be unable to free themselves. Ah, good, good. Nobody dies. <laughs> Wonder or hand at them, shouts Elaine, as the two of you race along the road to the west. Heading towards the deep woods, if we can make the... Alone's voice abruptly fades. She stops dead in her tracks. You follow her gaze along the road, and your eyes fall upon the reason for a sudden halt. The man in the dark blue clunic stands in the middle of the road, about twenty yards in front of you. The young, dark-haired man raises his hand, and the ground begins to shake as two halting creatures of mud and stone tear up through the earth in front of him. Juthan Caliph echoes the voice of Helene in your mind. This, this is certainly bad news. You are walking into a nightmare. You immediately recognise the name. As Juthan Caliph, the Archmage of the city of Trithic, and one of Thane Proran's closest advisor, it's obvious that he has fallen under the sway of Morax's former formidable mind controls uh, uh, mind control powers yet again a prized ally has swiftly become a deadly enemy the archmage issues a vocal command to his summoned earth elementals and the massive creatures stomp forward one heading for lane and the other moving straight for you okay I'll counter your elementalism with my own elementalism 32 XP Calling upon your power to elementalism. Calling upon your power of elementalism. You co you convince the pair of massive elementals to disperse. And they rapidly delve back into the ground. Leaving only a large swath of upturned earth in their wake. Don't delay. Return to face the Archmage. The Archmage Macarath curses and holds out his wooden staff. A bolt of red flame erupts from the tip, tip of the weapon and hurtles through the air towards you. Alright, I shall fight fire with fire, or maybe be air, or earth, or water, and use elementalism. It failed. The bolt of flame smashes into your chest, burning your flesh, knocking you back onto your back in the middle of the world. Just heal from that, and up. Dazed and wounded, but still alive, you stagger to your feet and start boldly towards the Archmage. A shower of earth and debris rains down upon you as two more mighty elementals smash up through the ground. The summons of the Archmage Caliph. The massive creatures stumble along the road towards you, roaring with every thunderous step they take. Get Caliph! echoes the voice, telling me from mind. Elaine in your mind, in your head. Leave them, those, t those two to me. You rush forward, dodging past one of the towering elementals and attack the archmage. He musters a few words and his wooden staff ignites. He brandishes the flaming weapon with remarkable skill as he fends off your initial assault. You realise you must only attempt to subdue the archmage as he under the mind control of Moraxa. Uh, why haven't I used the, the gem? It's probably, it might not be enough, but... <sighs> Maybe 
he just did he just used a really tough mind control with the king. And Helene, give me your give me your shard too. Then, then we can have double power. Yes. Yes, good. Yeah, yeah, yes, Helene. Pass me your shard. But no, no, I'm fighting. I'm fighting. You validly attack the Archmage Caliph. Now I can only subdue this enemy. The Archmage strikes at you with his flaming staff. Subduing. So I'm doing I'm doing less damage. He's doing the same. You're engulfed by the flames of your enemy's attack for 17 damage. Ooh, I did a special where a sudden surge of energy overtakes you and you lay four impossibly swift but non-fatal blows upon your enemy. Alright, you're engulfed by the flames of your enemy's attack for 23 damage and he is subdued. Alright, 5 XP. The arch base lies at your feet. He's been severely battered, but has suffered no permanent damage. Suddenly, his eyes spring open, and he moves his lips as if he's about to speak. Before you can make a sound, his head drops back, and his eyes close once more. They do not open again. He's he's not dead, though. You turn to find Helene walking in your direction. Behind her sit two large piles of earth and stone. All that remains of the mighty elemental she engaged... As Elaine draws up to you, to your side, her eyes suddenly widen, and you follow her gaze along the road to the west. Two men advance along the road towards you, one clad in chainmail, the other in a worn, soft leather tunic. You and Helene exchange worrisome looks, she immediately recognise the two, two men. They are among the elites of Tysus Wires. The chain-clad man on the left is Sir Garwin, a field commander in the Tosin army, one of the, one of the few men who directly guards the king. Several yards from his right is a border ranger as Dromok. Those deeds and valour are legendary. How many more will we find fallen under his spell? echoes a voice from Elaine ahead. Take one of them, Zoop, and leave the other to me. Put them down, down easy, and try not to permanently mar them. These are good men. Alright, All right. so I can fight Sir Galwin or Dremlock? Yeah, Sir Galwin. Sir Garwin, his axe poised to strike, sounds a fearsome battle stride, and charges directly at you. He charges a tactic commonly employed by Titan Knight, doing skill at it. Dealers is almost, almost without equal. Your mind races as a determined knight bears down on you. So, fortification. I can use fortification, telekinesis, alarm combat, elementalism. If I'm gating at 60 plus, I could use that. Or, just hold my ground and face his charge. I shall use unarmed combat. Succeeded. 16 XP to unarmed combat. He rushed towards this charging Sir Garwin, slide down on the ground, swiping the white, your white leg under his feet, sending the knight sprawling to the ground in a heap. Before Sir Garwin has a chance to fully recover, you leap on top of him and begin your frenzied assault, eager to gain any advantage you can over the veteran warrior. You realise he must only attempt to subdue the knight as he is under the mind control of Moraxa. 
I'll fight Sir Garolin, and he's dazed. I subdue. He hacks at you with his war axe. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 34 damage. Then another devastating blow for 27 damage. Oh dear, I'm not liking these devastating blows. Hacks with his war axe some more. Ooh, he's, he's nearly down. Ooh, another devastating blow. I'm just going to do some healing now. Because I do not want to fail at this point. Oh, and he is subdued. 6 XP. Sir Galen wobbles to the left and sinks to his knees. The brave knight attempts to regain his feet, but a deft, non-bleakal blow to the back of his skull sends him sprawling face first to the ground. Looking over your shoulder, you note with relief that Helene has just finished putting down Drummond. She steps back from the unmoving body of the subdued border ranger and exhales sharply. Helene is only dust rejoined you at your side, when when two dozen armoured Tyson soldiers rush out of the forest to the left. The left of the world and encircle you. And now he has his own army, mutters Elaine, as she presses her back against yours and prepares to tackle the regiment now closing in around you. Realise as she does. The soldiers are obviously more victims of Marax's powerful mind control, and he must only attempt to subdue them, which makes the prospect of having to engage them even more daunting. Six of the twelve soldiers advancing upon you suddenly rush forward, striking out at you with their swords. I fight six Tyson soldiers, got to subdue them. The soldiers slash at you with their swords. Brutal stroke for eight damage. Another brutal stroke for nine damage. Oh, I've just gone into battle rage. Doing more damage. But not much more damage. Because I'm only subduing them. Angry as I am, I'm still being... I'm still holding back. Somehow. You have subdued your foe. Six XP. The six remaining soldiers step over their fallen but still alive, brothers in arms, and quickly engage you. You once again find yourself struggling to fend off a ferocious attack. It's six Tyson soldiers. Alright, they slash at you with their swords. They keep slashing. I'm taking a long time to go down because I'm only hitting them gently. Ooh, brutal stroke for nine damage from them, and they are they are subdued. Subdued. As the last soldier slumps to the ground at your feet, you note with great dismay that a dozen more have stepped out of the forest and are swiftly advancing upon you. Helene leaps forward and boldly intercepts the approaching regiment. You're about to join her, where you spot a turn, tall, slender, caked figure slinking furtively up out of the edge of the woods on her left flank. Wasting no time, you rush over and place yourself between the caped man his intended unaware target. The man stops and then steps back, eyeing you curiously. Your heart skips a beat when you suddenly recognise his face. This man, standing less than ten yards from you, is no longer when Fethmer, much to our master thief and adventure. Those list of deeds, not all of them honourable, could easily fill a large tome. Still, as Dorothy's due, he is but another unfortunate soul 
under the control of Raxa. Ah, the great Zoop, he says, grinning. I've longed to meet you through a pity our first encounter will also be our last. My new master has given me a few gifts. Perhaps you'd like to have a look at them, Raxa waves his hand, and a wide arc of flame leaps from the tip of his fingers. The deadly flames stream through the air towards you. Alright, fire with fire, use elementalism again. Succeeded for 16 XP to elementalism. Upon your summons, a gusty air elemental materialises in the path of the hurtling arc of flame. Flame and the deadly bolt and steers the deadly bolt of fire off course. The fiery attack strikes the ground several feet to your right. Vifimir curses at you and shoots his hand to his left hip. Vifimir draws his infamous wound cudgel and expertly flips the weapon in his white hand. He sneers as you draw yourself into a combat-ready stance. You're a fool, he says, his gaze fixed on your eyes. Greatness lies ahead for all of us! For some are content to try and spoil it. It would be a pity to have to lay you to rest. But so it must be. The master adventurer leaps forward and attacks. I'm fighting Fefmir. Just going to subdue him. Fefmir strikes at you with his wound cudgel. Okay. Now, and a brutal stroke for ten damage. It's nearly down, nearly down, and subdued. 70 XP. Fefirus tumbles and drops to the ground at your feet. It makes an attempt to wide, but the final leaf, non-lethal blow to the back of his head renders him unconscious. Helene joins you at your side. Looking to your left, you note the ground is littered with the bodies of the soldiers he has subdued. The two of you turn. I were relieved to see Wundle making his way towards you. Behind him, the prone forms of Iskitar and Prithling continue to struggle against the thick webs of shadow, now pinning them to the ground. I cannot turn them, says Wundle, his toe in one of the regret. They're alive, though. I pray my magic holds them long enough to let us do what now lies before us. The power they wield is not their own. It was almost more than I could contend with. The army of Mothraisa appears to be at Maraxa's core, France Helene, waving her hands in the direction of subdued soldiers and others that were obviously under the dragon's wicked spell. This bodes ill for certain, says Wendell, moving on the road and stepping to the edge of a steep forest track, for we have yet to see the worst of it. Long and unchecked as the dragon's shadow groans. Together, you and Wendell start, start up the steep forest track, your every sense alert for the first sign of possible danger. After a short but arduous ascent, you find yourself at the edge of a deep ravine, bottom of which sits the overgrown ruins of a once glorious temple. I mean, if you have all these means, why couldn't you have them fix it up? The temple, which is obviously a massive structure before it fell into decay, it's now little more than a scattering of crumbled walls and heaps of stone. Out of the midst of the ruins there rises a massive granite dome, which seems to be the only piece of the structure still intact. 
Mondo tells you the dome caps an underground chamber in which he believes Maraxa and his minions lie in wait. For several minutes, the three of you stare down at the ruins, but nothing stirs at the bottom of the ravine around the remains of the temple. It began in Twithic. Likely ends here, says Windle. This voice betrays neither optimism nor, nor, nor uncertainty. The three of us together, then. Are we all ready? Lay precise and nods, nod of agreement. At the end, it's just a layer of any other beast, says Windle. He checks over his equipment, his eyes still focused on the ruined temple far below. If this is to be it, so then am I content to let it be. Despite what he has said, it says Windle is not accused of the prospect of basing what lie, wait, might lie and wait but within the temple. Suddenly, faintly, a muffled, distant voice echoes through your head, but quickly fades. The startled look on the faces of the two companions reveals they too heard it. You cannot make out what it was. The voice was hurried and frantic. It is a foot, says Windle, shaking his head. Let's go. As you fall into line behind Wunder Halalane and begin the steep descent into ravine, you warily drop your gaze into the woods, into the wounds, wounds below. You can't seem to shake the nagging, eerie feeling that, the, that for the three of you, the shattered temple may well become the very site of your graves. That finishes this scenario. For 384 experience to general. Okay. Now, I'm going to save. So next time, we'll actually go into that temple and finally confront the dragon. Although I have a feeling it's not going to be that simple. It's just... Knock, knock. Maxa! I like a final showdown, please. Okay, okay, here you go. Here you go. I, I'm just, just going to get everything ready. Making a nice circular chamber for us to fight in. And I, I've, I've, I've hired people. and I've set out tickets to everyone so they can watch. I don't think that's going to happen. There's going to be traps. There's going to be minions. There's going to be trickery. Probably mind control. Or at least attempts at mind control. It's going to be bad. But that will be for next time. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.